<laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this new year. Father, I personally thank you for every person here just that gives their time and effort and has laid their life down for you. Just bless them, Father. Pray for all the visitors here today. I pray that you would just meet them where they are. Speak to them through everyone here today, through the worship, through the person next to them, through my wife, myself, whoever speaks to them. I just pray you speak to them. Father, if anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would leave with salvation. If anyone came in here lonely, depressed, feeling empty, that you would fill their heart with your love by the power of your Holy Spirit. If anyone's sick in their body or struggling financially, God, that you would give them the exact word they need to carry them through because they will get through it with you because you never fail, Lord. Father, speak to your people through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We turn to Luke chapter 15. A lot of stuff going on today. I want to try to move quickly, give you an opportunity to respond to God. But um, the Lord told me in 2016, you know, it's time for people to come back to me. And uh, he was talking to me because <laughs> I'm a people. <laughs> you know, I'm with him, but I get distracted. You ever get distracted? <laughs> You know, this parable talks about uh, a man who had two sons, and the younger son said, I want my inheritance now. And it says in verse 11 and 12, he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He was the second son. In some cases, the first son will get more than the second son. He would get two-thirds of it. Uh, we don't know if that's the case here, but being the second son, you know, the first son was very honored in that time for the Jews. Um, so he probably had a chip on his shoulder already, you know, because maybe his older son was, his older brother was, you know, maybe getting a little more attention or whatever it might be. But he said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. Gimme, 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 I bet his name was Jimmy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are a lot of, we can have that gimme attitude, like, God, give me this, God, give me that. Or even that, there, there are people, that I, I call them takers. <laughs> you, know, you know, you go into uh, Dunkin' Donuts and you take all the sugar, all the equal. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, you know, just... People with an attitude of taking. You know, there are people, being a pastor now 15 years, you know, there are people that will call our church or come to the door asking for a handout. And you know what you find out? They were at that church and they were at the church before and the church before. And many times, out of grace, we've given to people and all we asked them was come back here so we can teach you so you won't have to be that way anymore. And they disappear. Anybody know a taker? <laughs> you know some people in your life that are just takers? You know they, they come to the banquet so they can take some food home? Somebody say amen. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's an attitude. And this younger brother, he had a bad attitude. 
And so what did he do? He wasted or squandered, it says in some translations, these possessions with prodigal or riotous living. Because let me understand something. Sometimes when, when people are given free stuff, they never appreciate it. Almost never. Almost never. Now, I know there are times where we need aid, say, from the government and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are just looking to take and squander. It's an attitude. And it's pervasive, people. You, you want to know why we have problems in our country and in the world? Because of that attitude. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hello? That's the problem. You know, they always, well, it's this official and that politics. No. It's an attitude that people have. And this young man had it. And when you have that, when you get something quick like that, easy money goes easy fast. Take it from me. I understand it. It's almost like you know you don't deserve it, so you squander it. He squandered it all on riotous living. Anybody ever remember a time where you just would squander stuff? You know what I'm saying? You lived just for Friday so you get your paycheck so you could squander it. Amen? Come on now. But when he spent it all, guess what happened to him? He began to be what? In want. Because I'm going to tell you something. Anything that you go after besides God will leave you in want. Anything. It will leave you in want. There is nothing that can satisfy you like God. Nothing. Take it from me. For 28 years, I lived as riotous as you can, as reckless as you could. And I ended up with a bigger hole in my heart than I started with. I have a couple friends. One of my friends, he's worth probably hundreds of millions of dollars. He's my friend on Facebook. Every day I see him, he's in a new yacht, he's in, a, he's in his plane, he's here, he's there. He, he's, he's looking for all that, and I know, I know him. I know he's not happy. I know he's empty, and he will waste his life. One day he will come to the conclusion like, was that all worth it? Amen. What does a man profit if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? I see it. Do you see it? Yes. Squandering and wasting. Not just money, but time, energy. People that, you know, they're doing everything outside, but when it comes to doing something in the church, you can't find them. But then they're like, God, give me, give me. Why isn't the church doing this? And why isn't the church doing that? When people come up to me and say that, I go, why aren't you doing it? This church should have a food bank. Then start one. This church should have this. This church should have... All right, then if, if you see the need, plant the seed. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, why, you know, it's that attitude. And this is what happens in the end. No one would give him anything. The guy ended up with nothing. And I'm telling you, that's where you're headed if you're not heading back to the Father. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, if you love money or things, you'll never have enough. It's a love that doesn't fulfill or satisfy. Listen, 
All right, before I got saved, I was a drug dealer. There was a lot of money there. <laughs> I went to work to Wall Street. There was a lot of money there. There was a slight difference, just slight. <laughs> but, you know, I was around people, and anybody that knows that worked in that industry, you know, there's people, they've got so much money, they don't even know what to do with it. But miserable? One of my friends became a billionaire. Billion would it be? Okay? He gave his money to Bill Gates. Like, he gave a big chunk of it. That's how much money he had. When he made his first billion, I flew to Houston. I sat in his office, and I shared the gospel with him, like, with power, like I never had before. He started crying. Some of you were here back then. He came to our church, the limo. <laughs> we were at the little church, the smaller building, sat in the front row, but he didn't receive Christ. I pray right now that he knows Jesus. I don't know if he does or not. But I know this. Even with a billion, he wasn't happy. What happens? How meaningless it is. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Somebody say amen. amen. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. You win the lottery, you're going to find relatives that are long lost relatives that you never knew existed. That don't even look like you. You're going to want to do DNA tests to make sure they really are your relatives. But they don't want to know you now. So what good is it except to perhaps watch it slip through your fingers? Because it will. Listen, we're not taking anything with us to heaven, people. Nothing's going with us. The only thing that will matter is what we've done for eternity. And the one thing that I'm solidly sure is this, is that when we get to heaven, our treasure will be people that have gotten saved, either because of our time, our effort, our offering, our ministry, our church, Whatever it might be, that will be the treasure. Because there's nothing else worthy to come into heaven except those that are covered in the blood of Jesus. My Tesla isn't going to heaven. Your rolls isn't going to heaven. Your money isn't going to heaven. That's it. Only what's covered in the blood of Jesus, and that will be souls. So here's what happens. Here's what happens after he squanders everything. He gets to a point, okay, where he's feeding pigs. Now, I'm half Jewish. I don't like pigs. Not because I was raised. You know, I, I celebrated a few Jewish holidays, but um, how many of you don't eat pork? Oh, man, there's a lot of you. Wow. You must have seen a pig like me. I went to Cook College over there a dozen years ago. I was like, ah! I was like, maybe bacon, because bacon doesn't look like it. And it's tough to give up bacon. Turkey. turkey bacon I eat now. Did you ever see a turkey? But these pigs, <laughs> these pigs, they're slopping around. They're, they're disgusting. <laughs> I mean, God was right. Don't eat <laughs> Some of you are going to have a ham sandwich today and think, oh. But, you know, he got to a point, this young man, to where he, a Jew, is eating pigs. You have no idea how unclean that will be for him. And then it got so bad, he hit bottom so bad, that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Oh, God. Lord Jesus. I just had to say that. I mean, come on. 
the husks, like the pigs were getting the, the better part than what he was asking for. Like he would eat that. But you know what? As low as you can go is the high you can go. Amen? Amen? How many of you ever been to a point where you just, I'm just done. I, I, I just give up. I quit. I'll just eat slop. I don't care anymore. I was there. You ever been there? Yes. Come on. You ever been to that place? Maybe it was you're going to eat slop, but you were just at a place of just desperation. And you know what? That could be a good place to be because you know what happened? It says, he came to himself. And that's the crux of this message. He came to himself. It says in verse 17, but when he came to himself. Well, if he had to come to himself, I guess he must have left himself. Other translations say he came to his senses. There are many people that have lost themselves. They don't know who they are. They're separated from themselves. They're living another person's life, not the life they were supposed to live. When I was 13, my mother kidnapped me and my younger brother and sister took us to a different state to avoid prosecution. She changed our name. That's how I became Joseph Carlucci. Okay? That's my middle name. Some of you looking, wondering what that is. That's, that, that is a made-up name. That is not my name. But I lived as that person for 13 years. People called me that name, but that wasn't my real name. I knew what my real name was. And that was a time where I lost myself. I, I didn't know who Joe Adovai was anymore. I was living riotously. I was living to die. And then I met Jesus, and I came to myself. And I took my name back. I had to go to court to get my name back. And just so I wouldn't forget, the lowest times of my life, I made Carlucci my middle name. My real middle name is Mark, believe it or not. My kids probably don't even know that. Yeah. Don't you call me Mark. <laughs> I don't like that middle name. I got to change my middle name. How many of you don't like your middle name and you want to change it? All right. Get lost and then come back to yourself. He came back to himself and he said, my father's help, his servants have Guess what? They got enough to eat, and they got some left over. I will arise and go to my father. Listen to me. You decide if you come back to God. You decide if you find yourself. It starts up here. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. She would have still had an issue of blood if she hadn't said something to herself. He said... To himself, because what I teach you is, you know, you don't listen to anybody like you listen to yourself, right? I know who you are. I know who you are, people. When you're going like, when you're going like, you're saying yes, but you're going like this. No. We had this joke on New Year's Eve. We wanted to watch the football game. So Dave Potter, he, he kept looking at me and he said, we're not putting on the football game on New Year's Eve, right, Pastor Joe? And I go, you're right, Dave. We're not putting on the football game at New Year's Eve. And he would just shake his head, yes. In other words, we are putting the football game on. <laughs> you know, you listen to you more than you listen to anybody else. Some of you are talking to yourself right now. How many? Come on. 
How many of you are having a two-way conversation right now? <laughs> you talk to yourself. You do. You do it all the time, and you could talk yourself into anything. I almost talked myself into taking my own life. That's how powerful your self-talk is. He said, I'm going to arise, and I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to go back. Nobody can make you go back. Not Pastor John, not Pastor Kevin. <laughs> By the way, Pastor John is starting a new Sunday school. It's called the Parables of Jesus. And we're talking about parables. Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. But even if you go to his Sunday school and he tells you, listen, you need to give back to God. He can shake you, kick you, punch you. Unless you say, I'm going to get up. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, and I'm going to do. It's not going to happen. Because nobody can drag you to God. It's your decision. Say, it's my decision. Some of you may have got dragged to the altar. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you said, I do. You could have said, I don't. You had the chance. Amen? Todd's like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> he said, I'm going to rise. I'm going to go to my father. Some of you today need to say, you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to God. I'm going to come back to myself. Because the beginning of every breakthrough starts with you. The beginning of every breakthrough starts with you. The beginning of every breakthrough starts with you. Stop blaming Pastor John and Pastor Kev, Pastor Courtney. That's why we got three pastors, so they can blame them before they get to me. So <laughs> stop blaming Pastor Courtney, Pastor Kev, and Pastor John, you know, uh, Deacon, Randy. Uh, stop blaming everybody. It's your decision. If you're squandering your life, listen, let me, uh, let me tell you something. Where you are right now is because of you. Where you are in your life right now is because of you. I'm just telling you right now. Stop blaming all these circumstances and everything. I had circumstances too. He had circumstances. She had circumstances. Circumstances just happened. Things just happened. But you choose if you're going back to God, if you're going to be with him. Because guess what? In his house, there's enough to eat with, enough to eat with some left over. But you chose something else. Nobody made you choose it. You chose it. Now, you don't get to choose family. I didn't get to choose my crazy family. But I got a new crazy family. And they're a lot better. Amen. This is my family. Yes, I have brothers and sisters. But you know what? If they haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? They're going to be temporary family. This is eternal family. Look around. You're going to spend eternity with that person. Get used to it. I didn't make it up. He said, look, in my father's house, even the help is blessed. David understood this. I'll tell you, David really... I, David, a man after God's own heart. Every time I think about that, I think of, all, you know, my first thought is, yeah, after God's own heart, you, you sleep with somebody's wife, you have the husband killed. What are you talking about? But here's the thing about David. 
he always turned around and went back. He always went back to his father. He went back, Psalm 84.10, because he knew this. He knew this, that better is a day in God's courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Amen? He would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. One day, he said, in God's house, which, by the way, now is his church. So one day in Grace Church, and we'll just use that example, is better than 3,000 days of vacation. Amen. I'm not, in the first service I said in Jamaica, I got shot down. So I'm going to say in the Dominican Republic, which is my favorite place to go. But point being, listen, I'm going to tell you something. And, and my wife loves to go away and vacation and get some sun. And she loves to go on the islands and everything. And I'm starting to like it too. <laughs> but, you know, after day five or six, I find myself saying, I want to go back to New Jersey. I want to go back to Grace Church. I miss the church. Yeah. Because better is one day here than three years elsewhere. It really is. It's really true. And if it's not for you, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. Jay Cologne, we were uh, setting up for New Year's Eve the other night. We are so blessed in this church. How many of you here with the New Year's Eve party? They set, you know, now when we have... It used to be when we had like banquets or parties or whatever it was or celebrations, we would put all the food out. You didn't know who made it. And people would just do buffet style. I just put, but you know, everybody had like a huge spoon because they were worried they weren't going to. So you never got anything to eat. Everybody's hands were in there, kids. You know, people double dipping with chips and stuff. I'll be double dipping. Now... We got people with gloves on, and they spoon it in. That's enough for you. That's enough for you. You don't need 75 chicken wings. You can have three. You know what I'm saying? So they do it. Our events team is absolutely fantastic. Like, they're so good. Let me tell you something. There are people that don't come to events because they're of exactly what I said. Because they think, you know, it's a church. There's going to be all these trays and kids are going to be digging their fingers in there, putting them out, putting it back. So they don't even come. But now you see, like, people with gloves on, caps on, sterilization spray. It's like, it's like okay, I can eat there. Yeah, I can do that. But they do such a great job. They really do. So on, And there's, like zillions of them helping. You know, in the past, I ended up doing that stuff, and it didn't end up good. I mean, I don't know. What do I know about a rack? And if I, I mean, how many times I burned the food? I put that sterno on. I thought that's how you cooked it. I didn't know that's to keep it warm. So I put the sterno on. I put the food there. And by the time the people came, it was burnt. It was like burnt ziti. You know what I'm saying? So they know what they're doing. And, and I went there, and I wanted to be a because now it's like you go to do something. They're like, no, yeah. Eliana's like, get out of here, Pastor Joe. <laughs> like, dang. I want to play. So I came on New Year's Eve, and uh, Jay, he was like all happy. 
First of all, because he was going to get the DJ, DJJ, you know. That was part of the reason. But the other reason, he said to me, he goes like this to me, you know, we were, we were just enjoying ourselves setting up for the New Year. Like, setting up for New Year's is great. It's the takedown. At 2 in the morning, that's a little rough. But we're setting up, and Jay just said to me, he goes, this is the best part. I said, that's why I'm here. I want to be part of. I, I want to, listen, I'll be an usher in the house of God rather than spend three years of riotous living. I spent 20 years of riotous living almost. And then when I got saved, I, we, got, we joined the church, you know, and they go, after like a couple weeks, because it was a new church, there was nobody doing anything, like, you want to be an usher? I was like, who are you looking at? <laughs> Me? Do I get a flashlight <laughs> and a suit and a little hat? Like, no, 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 we just want you to be an usher in the church. I was so excited to be an usher. I mean... I got to be honest with you, I felt like a million, you could have said you are the CEO of the, your company. I mean, I was so excited that I could be somebody in God's house, that I could be at the door, open it for somebody. Me, drug dealing, suicide thinking, no good. Me, I could be an usher? I'll be the best darn usher you ever had here. And, and it, it got to the point where I was like, if anybody ever messes with anybody in this church, boy, I'm going to kick. And they were like, no, 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 not that kind of usher. They were like, no, no, no. I was like, if anybody, I was just, I was hoping somebody was going to fret. Come on. Get bats out. I mean, no, that's not the kind of usher here. Remember, hon? I didn't know. I was like, if anybody messes with this church, man. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I thought it was a bouncer job. <laughs> I used to say, if anybody comes in, it says anything to anybody. <laughs> I had it all wrong. But I learned, you know, to serve in God's house. And it was better than anything. It made me feel I, I had some self-worth. Like, like, I could do that? Like, you would let me do that? Me? As bad as I was? Hey, here, you're welcome. Here, God loves you. Here, you can serve. Here, you can do. Here, you can preach. Here, you can sing. Here, you can play. Here, you can pray. Come on. Come to yourself. Come back to yourself and come back to God. He wants you to come. Look at verse 18. God wants you to come back. He's waiting for you to come back. Put up Luke 15, 18. There you go. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So this is what he said he was going to come and say to his dad. His attitude was like, I'll do whatever. Any of you remember when you crossed over from death to life, and your attitude was like, I'll do whatever they want me to. Yes, yes. I, I, I really. Listen, you don't get born and become a pastor or get born and become a worship leader or whatever. You serve first. Amen? You serve first because an attitude has to be put in you before you can start leading people. Jesus said the greatest must be servants first. So you learn to serve first. People are like, uh, listen, uh, can, can I preach next week? 
I go, you, this is your first Sunday, man. <laughs> Can I be on the worship team? I don't even know your name. <laughs> Never mind if you can sing. I mean, listen, you come back, but you come back with the right attitude. So he said, oh, this is what I'm going to say to him. I'm going to say, I sinned against you. I'm no worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Let's see what he really did when he came. Let's see what happened. Flip the next slide. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. No longer worthy to be called your son. Even get a chance to say, make me one of your servants. The father stopped them right there. But the father said, See, he knew the attitude he was coming back with, but he wouldn't let him go there. He wouldn't let him go there. The father said, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Not any old robe, the best robe. That's the robe of the righteousness that we have through Jesus Christ. Put the best robe on him. When you come to God, he puts the best robe on you. The best coat. The best one. Then he said, put a ring on his hand. The ring that shows he's in the family. You know what I'm saying? You know how you kiss the ring? <laughs> put the ring on his finger. He's in the family. And if you ever saw the movie Ben-Hur, it's my favorite movie. It's four hours long. My kids don't like it, but I love it. Anyway, when Masada, and they bet on the chariot races, they're like, okay, but you need to sign this paper. And he takes his ring, signet ring, and he puts it in the, in the impression. And that states that it's backed by him. He puts that ring on your face. He's got your back now. And with God on your side, nothing can be against you. Put a ring on his hand, put sandals on his feet, because servants would walk around barefoot, but he's not a servant. And then he said, bring the fatted calf, and let's celebrate God. You want to make God happy? Come to yourself and come to him. He wants to bless you. He wants to celebrate over you. You don't have to earn sonship. You are his son because of his son. You don't have to earn sonship. You are his son because of his son. You don't have to earn it. You are his son because of his son. I grew up without a dad in my house. I mean, you know that, understand that, okay? So you've never called anyone dad. I was 26 or whatever it was when I met my real father. I had a real tough time just trying to figure out, what do I call this person? How many of you, you know, you got a son or a daughter, and they're about to, you know, they have, uh, uh, they're engaged, or they got married, and the son-in-law and daughter-in-law, they're like, they, they have a little tough time of what to call you, because they don't know what to say. Help them out. Anyway, I didn't know what to call him, but I remember when I got saved. And it said that I wasn't, I wasn't an outsider anymore. They said, you're a son now. So I just started calling him dad. The feeling of calling someone daddy was like so powerful to me. Because I had never called anybody dad before.
but he's like a dad to me. He is my dad. He's your dad too. I remember when we were in Israel and that little Jewish kid was running through the airport, Abba, 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 Abba. That's the word for daddy, daddy, daddy. He's our dad. <laughs> we can call him Abba Father now. That's how close we are to him. He is our dad. He wants to bless us. How many of you want to bless your kids? How many of you want to kill your kids? <laughs> how could you bless and kill them at the same time? <laughs> the point is, after we kill them, we want to bless them. Point is, <laughs> no, we, we want the best for our kids, don't we? Come on now. Is God any different? Psalm 35, let's finish up here. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Pastor Kev is going to go up and, and eventually the whole worship team is going to go up, so whenever you guys are ready. But Before this scripture in verse 26, David says, God, please quiet all my enemies. Let them not rejoice over me when I'm in trouble. I mean, you feel that way sometimes, right? You don't want people to be happy when you're doing bad. Because believe me, there are people that are happy when you're not doing well. You know why? Because they're not happy. And they don't want you to be happy. <laughs> so people that are not happy when you're doing well, understand this. They're just hurting. They're just hurting. But David said, don't let them gloat over my misfortune. But for those that favor my cause, David is somebody that understood a cause. Okay? When Israel was facing the Philistines, and Goliath came out every day for 40 days and said, send somebody out to fight me. Nobody would go. David's father sent him to send cheese and bread or something for his brothers. He goes, he hears what's going on, and he says, somebody should do something about this. And he says something that it just rings in my ear every time I think of this scripture. He said, is there not a cause? That this Goliath comes out here and no one defeats him. Is there not a cause? David understood the cause. The cause is God and his kingdom and the church and what he's doing on earth. There is a cause here. There's a cause. And it says, let them shout for joy. David said, let those that favor the right cause, let those that support the right cause, let them say, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Look at that scripture for a second now. This scripture changed my life. You mean God gets magnified and he has pleasure when I'm doing well? Okay, wait a second. Let's try this again. God takes pleasure when you do well. God gets magnified when you do well. Amen. Uh-oh, maybe. No! <laughs> Prosperity means, doesn't mean money. You know what? As weird as prosperity teaching God, the devil used it to turn people off to it altogether. Prosperity means advancement in every area of your life. 
It means making progress on your job, in your ministry, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your church, in your life, with your family. That is what God's plan is for you. Wake up. It makes him happy. It makes him happy. It brings him pleasure. And one time I was just talking to God, I said, hey, God, I'm doing pretty good. Things are going well. People got saved this Sunday. Alicia's not mad at me. The kids are doing pretty good. It's a great day. You know what he said to me? It's clear as day. Now, it wasn't a loud, shouting voice coming down from the heavens written on the wind. It was a still, small voice that said to me, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's his pleasure when we're doing well. That's it. He loves when people get saved. He loves when people prosper and advance. Nothing brought him more joy than what happened on New Year's Eve, though. Because through this whole Luke chapter 15, the whole theme is about someone that's lost being found. It talks about a hundred being lost, but one being found. And in Luke 15, 10, it says this. I say to you, this is Jesus saying, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one that gets saved. Over just one. And I thought about New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve, Alicia said, you need to give an invitation on New Year's Eve. There's something better that can happen to a person on New Year's Day than they get saved. And when she talks like that, I have to do it. I know, you don't talk. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. Am I in trouble? I've been fasting. I'm a little off. Okay. <laughs> she said, there's no better time that somebody could get saved on the first day of the year. So, like every good pastor and husband, I listen to my wife. All right, guys? Every, say amen, even if you don't really believe me. Say amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, we get up here. We took New Year's. Said a little short message. Anybody want to get saved? A young woman who was sitting over there came up. And then, out of nowhere... Bunch of kids, like three, four, five, six, coming up here to get saved. I don't remember who they all were, but I do remember one of them. It was a little Jalen Riccatelli. And she pushed people out of the way to get up here and get saved. No, I'm serious. Does that surprise you? She's Jamie's kid. I mean, I mean. And Todd, Todd had something to do with it, but. She pushed people out of the way to come up here and, and give her heart to the Lord. And Jamie was talking to her, and she said, she said, do you know what happened? She goes, yes. Mommy, now I have Jesus in my heart. You know what happened? There was joy. There was joy here, right? There was joy here. You know, a young little kid gets saved. Everybody's like so excited. You know, we're all like, you know, a middle-aged person gets saved. And we're like, oh, that's great. You know, kid gets saved, everybody's like, yeah! I don't get it, but anyway, there was so much joy. Imagine the joy that was in heaven. Amen. Imagine the joy that happened up there. 
when they got saved. That's what it's all about. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads right now. This is what it's all about, people. This is what it's all about. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. In other words, when you speak and pray, life happens. People cross over from death to life through a prayer. There are probably 250 people in this room right now who were in a church or in a Bible study or something, and this offer of invitation was given to them, and they responded to it, and their life was changed. Let me ask you a question to you right now. Everybody here, if you died tonight, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity in heaven? Are you 100% sure? Going into that, I want you to say this prayer. Because if you're not sure, this is the time to be sure. So just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. God, I've made a lot of mistakes. But I want to come back to you. I want your blessing on my life. You raised Jesus from the dead. Raise me to a new life today. I pray. Amen. Everybody's head is bowed, their eyes are closed. Right now, if you said that prayer for the first time, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior for 2016, a new life. If you want to step into that right now, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you said that prayer for the first time and you meant it. Okay, anybody else? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, a few people raise their hand. I want, if you raise your hand, I want you to stand to your feet right now, real quick. Do it. Don't be afraid. Stand to your feet, whoever it was.